We are talking week one winners from Miami Dolphins training camp here today on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami, welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. It's your team every day here on the Locked On Network. Today is Wednesday, August 2nd, 2023. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked On Dolphins, co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with Joe Marino. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of today. Today's episode of Locked On Dolphins is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today to get started. You can find our shows on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Shout out to our everydayers. I uh, hope you guys have enjoyed uh, the last week approximately of every day being locked in with Miami Dolphins training camp in person. I am back home, which means it's the perfect time to kind of put the past week into a big picture discussion. And that's what we're going to do today. We're looking at each side of the ball and then fringe 53 man roster players who are the winners of the first week of practice for the practices that I observed. I saw Friday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. So I saw four practices, including the first two practices for the team in pads. So it's a nice sample size to kind of put everything into perspective and acknowledge this is just a chunk of the race, right? You don't have to get down to a 53-man roster cut for probably, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but I know it's right around the end of August. So you're talking about a month. So you get a 20% upload of training camp. And we'll have three preseason games for those guys that are fringe 53, and that may carry some extra weight as compared to um, – this first week of training camp where everybody's just kind of getting their feet wet. This is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And that's worth acknowledging. But you do have some big picture observations that you could apply to this football team from the first week of camp. Because if not, then why are we doing it? Right? So the objective here, outlining who won the first week on each side of the ball, in my mind. We're going to start with wide receivers. Because, yes, you have your superpower duo of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Wong. And they both had some really nice moments throughout the practices that I was able to attend in the past week. But if you ask me who my winner was at wide receiver, I think it was probably Braxton Berrios and Eric Azukama were the two who I think moved the needle the most versus expectations. Now, Braxton... And Eric are very different body types, and I think that is a win uh, for Miami to have players with different body types that can can fulfill different kinds of roles. But Braxton, you've seen everything you would expect for a shifty slot receiver who maybe doesn't have the long speed or the physicality to serve as a dynamic athletic nightmare to match up with on the perimeter. But if you have other players and the defenders that you're now asking to cover a player with the kind of quickness that he has in the slot, um, it is a challenge. And I, I think it presents a meaningful upgrade for the Dolphins. I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's going to get targeted 100 times this year, but 
If you filled in 50, 60 targets with Braxton Berrios, I think he'd do a better job with them than anybody on the roster would have done with them last year, unless it was Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle taking those, those targets. So having him come in and, and be the player that you remember, I know the, the production for Braxton last year really wasn't there, but uh, the performance during his time in New York, you had some really high watermark flashes for him. And you've seen those flashes. I think Azukama obviously is a second-year player who came from a spread offense in the Big 12, and the way that they operate is we're going to hold up the big cardboard card, and it's going to tell you what the play is, and that ain't how life works in the NFL, and, and he kind of found that out last year. I think it's a, a great step for Eric and the entire offense that there is continuity on the system and the language and the expectations and the site adjustments and the routes. And I think you're, you're seeing him play faster. I don't think he necessarily is like, oh, he took two-tenths of a second off his 40. But I think he's playing faster because he understands it. We heard that sentiment from guys like Cedric Wilson and Press available. He's talking about, you know, I really attacked the playbook, so I wasn't just out there running routes, and I actually understood conceptually what we were trying to do. So for me, those two wide receivers stand out. If you ask me about the offensive line, I think the biggest individual winner is, is Kendall Lamb. Oh, he kind of came into the training camp where you had Tehran and Austin Jackson penciled in as starters. Tehran was written in in Sharpie. Then you had Isaiah Wynn that came in. They drafted Ryan Hayes, who played tackle at the college level. They signed Cedric Wahey. It's kind of this mishmash, hodgepodge, veteran experienced swing tackle types with a rookie with some upside developmentally. And Kendall's pretty consistently been the most consistent tackle. Now, Isaiah Wynn, I thought, had a nice practice yesterday, but he only came off the PUP ahead of the practice on, on what was it, Sunday? So he's he's only had a couple of practices, and his first practice was really quiet. So to be determined on Isaiah Wynn, and, and we're also keen on finding out if Isaiah Wynn is going to end up being in the guard competition for left guard because I think Liam Eikenberg – um, he did have a nice, he had his best practice yesterday is what I would say. Liam did, but, uh, the, the clock is ticking on that one and the dolphins can't afford to, to wait around for that development to, to happen. So, um, I'd say Kendall Lamb being the big winner of all of the swing tackle veteran types, uh, is apparent, uh, because I think he has kind of set the tone for the expectation of play for the swing tackle. And he, he looks like a competent tackle and he's doing a really nice job against depth players for Miami in their pass rush that are uh, going good NFL pass rushers. You know, it, it, he might not be getting all of his reps against Jalen Phillips, but he's getting reps against guys who are going to play on Sundays and have played on Sundays and played good football on Sundays. It's it's, he's also not going against your Randy Charlton's and Garrett Nelson's either. So I think there's some good context there for Kendall Lamb. If you ask me about the rest of the offense, we'll just say the backfield, right? I, I think the tight ends have largely been interchangeable, and I think that's a good thing uh, with how they've approached. Um, we'll, we'll get into one tight end when we get down to the fringe 53 guys, but all the veteran guys, I believe, have looked largely interchangeable as peripheral pieces of this offense. I think Raheem Mostert and Savan Ahmed, uh, have had the most consistent good work 
through the first week of training camp and the practices, the four practices that I was at this past week, uh, Raheem's kind of comfortably in the driver's seat right now. As far as uh, a guy who is back healthy, had the year that he had last year, he wore the orange jersey for one of the practices. He does look to have an expanded palette catching the football, which I, I think is going to be helpful for this team to have some more of those opportunities in this offense. And he looks the part of a starting NFL running back. And just this time last year, we were wondering, is, is Raheem going to be starting? Is it going to be Chase Edmonds? Is it is he going to return kicks? Where is he going to fit? Well, where he fits is he's your starting running back as things currently stand. And then, uh, obviously, Tua Tungvalu, we, we kind of went into him yesterday at the end about the press availability and getting to see him up close in person and his body transformation. I won't go back into that, but if you missed yesterday's show, that would be my advice to you is to go back and check it out because that there's some good context there as far as Tua Tungvaloa, what his physiological evolution has been and how that's putting him in the best possible position to answer the bell that everybody's waiting to see if he's going to answer this year or not. We're going to go over to the defensive side of the ball next year on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. Before we go any further, though, take your first hack at betting Major League Baseball with FanDuel and get up to 10 times back in bonus bets on your first bet amount, win or lose, up to $200. That's right, just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose at FanDuel. It's $200 that you can spend on the money line or total runs or who you think is going to hit the first home run, all on an app that is safe, secure, super easy to use. And best of all, with FanDuel, when you win, you get paid out instantly. There's no better place to bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 back in bonus bets after your first bet. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. So defensively, the uh, we'll start in the backfield. The Jalen Ramsey injury loomed as something that could have uh, really taken the wind out of the sails of this defense, and I do not think it has done that. Now, you will miss Jalen Ramsey 1 million percent. He's just voted by his peers as a top 40 player in the NFL. The fortunate news is it sounds like there's some optimism that he will be back. Jalen is aspiring to be back as soon as responsibly but physically possible. Uh, he's aspiring to beat the doctor's timeline by a month. We'll see if that manifests or not. Um, but, but as far as his injury goes, it is a loss. Oh, and we do need to be honest and upfront about that because of the domino effect that it is going to imply. Now, you can absorb any individual loss of, of personnel. What you can't lose is four or five players of that caliber. I'd say, you know, you, you get to three of that and you're really in trouble. If you get to five, you're, you're done, though, right? So that's the, the outlook for Miami. But you could not have possibly asked for a corner to be more ready to answer the bell than Cater Kohu has been in the first week as a second-year player who went undrafted, 
stole a bunch of reps as a rookie, played really well, and then became kind of a staple down the stretch. He is better than last year, and it is not close. And that emergence as a player who can play on the outside, who can play on the inside, gives you the flexibility that you need to absorb the loss of Jalen Ramsey. Because it was probably going to be Jalen Ramsey as the other outside corner until you went to nickel, and then Jalen Ramsey kicks in, and Cater Kohu goes outside. Well, now it's Cater Kohu is the second outside corner, probably, who then kicks inside when you bring your third corner on the field and you bring in on another outside corner, whether that is Eli Apple or Cam Smith. And Cam Smith is another one of my winners. Um, <laughs> this dude's got a magnet for the football in his pocket, I think. he. I mean, he's around the ball daily. And is there area of growth? Yes, but I mean, when he spoke to the media uh, this past weekend, he talked about being a sponge and having... Sabian Howard and Jalen Ramsey and absorbing that knowledge, plus the coaching staff and the, uh, let's just say, the accomplishments of the coaching staff on the defensive side of the ball playing football in Miami that have given him, that are giving him all of this insight to be the best possible football player that he can be. Cam Smith performing to the degree that he is, is a win for the Dolphins. I would also concede that. Noah Igbenogany is outperforming expectations. Now, there's a, another first-round pick on the other side of the ball who we kind of had the same expectations for that I did not touch on, and I'll let you read in between the lines on what that means or what that doesn't mean. But Noah very much looks like a competent NFL corner throughout the first week of camp. Now, are there still some false steps? Yes. Uh, is there still some consistency issues? Yes. But I guess here's the thing to bear in mind with Noah in the midst of all of this. Yes, he was drafted in the first round of 2020. It feels like forever ago. He was born on November 27, 1999. This is still a 23-year-old player. And... While the investment will probably never be justified to use the 30th overall pick in the draft on, on Noah for what the rookie contract window has looked like, this, this might not be a player that we should just stick the fork in just yet. And that, the fact that we are even in this position is super fun because you have Cam Smith and you signed Eli Apple and you have Cater Kohu and you have Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey is going to come back this year, guys. So the Dolphins learning their lesson from last year and saying, we're not going to wait until we get two more guys that go down before we add another corner. I applaud. Oh, don't fall into the same trap as last year. Bravo. Um, I just was never envisioning a world where I would come back from a week of practices and be like, yeah, no, no, it looks pretty good. I'm not going to say he's perfect, and I don't think he's... If if you put him on the pecking order of the corners that have been in camp, I think it's probably Cater and X are Tier 1. Jalen would be Tier 1 if he was available as well. Uh, tier 2 is probably Cam Smith and Noah Igbenogany. And the Eli Apple, and we got two practices of Eli Apple. He didn't even have a nameplate the first day. 
uh, put pen to paper, went out there and practiced. I think he's an adequate level starter. And I mean, he's might be your sixth corner. So it's a really cool um, development for the Dolphins with their secondary. Now, as far as the rest of the defense, uh, I, I think David Long, the past two days when pads have come on has been a massive winner. Uh, he looks like a total steal in free agency. And obviously the question there was soft tissue injuries and availability. And he's missed about a month of games in each of the last two seasons. So while you acknowledge that, you look at the caliber of play that you're getting and the movement skills that you're getting in a defense where you need athletic linebackers and the cost that they got them in free agency. And that feels like a coup right now for the Dolphins to, to just absolutely steal him. And then I would say your first round pick investments on the defensive line feel like winners. Jalen Phillips. Well, they had a, a tremendous practice without him, and then he came back and was the best player on the line. <laughs> Absolute terror. Uh, you have Christian Wilkins, has been tormenting the offense every day at practice, playing with an edge that, you know, for Christian, always has an edge. This is still feeling like an exceptional edge. And then you have Bradley Chubb, who looks like a totally different player from a movement skills perspective. So, and this is consistent across the entire week. If you had to ask me what would be better between the line and the secondary, I would say the line's probably the better unit without Jalen Ramsey. But the fact that it's that close and you have that many impact players on both of those sections of the death chart with Vic pulling the strings, man, it's um, my long-term enthusiasm for what this defense is going to look like this year is, is very, very high. I'll just say that. We also have to talk about fringe 53 guys. And that is what we are going to finish with here on this episode of locked on dolphins. So stick with us. As far as, Fringe 53 guys, guys that uh, are, are not definitively in the one or the two in the two deep. I think you do have a, a fair amount of winners, uh, not guys that I necessarily would say like, yeah, put money on these guys to actually make the roster, but guys that I think have uh, represented themselves pretty well. Uh, and I would start with a couple of guys in the backfield offensively and John Lovett and, and Chris Brooks, uh, big guys, right? Lovett's the backup fullback to, uh, what the Dolphins have in Alec Ingold. We'll be interested to see what they do with, with Lovett. Uh, they stashed him last year with an injury. Ingold's in the last year of his contract. Uh, well, he's making a reasonable amount of money for a fullback. So there's, you know, salary cap question wise, I think there's some exploration to be done there as far as ideal outcomes and, and commitment of salary cap long term. But Lovett's looked pretty good, had some nice moments. Uh, Chris Brooks broke off the 95-yard touchdown run to end practice yesterday. Got a massive hole, so he carries momentum through the hole, makes a cut on the second level, kind of gets his eyes up north, uh, comes head-to-head -head with the safety, puts a move on him in the open field, cuts back into the middle of the field, foot race, gone. And he finished the run. It's really good stuff. And he is kind of like the Eric Azucam of the wide receivers, a little bit of a different body type than the majority of the backs. Right, you think about Miles Gaskin, fringe 200-pound back. Savon Ahmed, fringe 200-pound back. Devon A-Chain, fringe 190-pound back. Raheem Mostert's like 202, 205. Jeff Wilson's 210. Well, Chris Brooks is the big boy in the group. 
and he he runs heavy, and, and you you see it between the tackles. Uh, I think Elijah Higgins has made a strong statement, and I don't feel great about Tanner Connor right now being on the PUP. It didn't sound like Mike McDaniel was enthused that this would be a player that would be back anytime soon for the Dolphins. So Elijah Higgins kind of flashing as a draft selection late in the draft, but nevertheless a draft selection. I think there's a pathway here for him to not only make the roster, but to have some meaningful uh, personnel grouping reps for the Dolphins offensively. So I think that's a win for a guy who win. You came into camp, you said, okay, you got Durham Smythe, Eric Saubert. They signed Tyler Croft. They had Tanner Connor, who they carried last year. Is Higgins the tight end five? Are they going to carry five tight ends? I think he's got a pretty clear spot to potentially be the tight end four. And depending on what they want to do with Tyler Croft, he might end up being the tight end three. So obviously you still got to play all the games, the preseason games. From an offensive line perspective, I don't know that there's any big time surprises here with this group. I, I would say uh, Alama Ulave, uh, the center from San Diego State, has had some nice moments in the, the individual sessions. Um, not a big guy. I think he's probably center exclusive with his body type, but he is somebody who I think has performed reasonably well. Now, the uphill climb for him is Connor Williams can snap. Apparently, they're interested in cross training Liam Eikenberg to snap. Dan Feeney can snap and Dan Feeney with the positional flexibility. And, and I'm just going to go down the line of guys who I think could play more than one spot, regardless of whether it's center guard or tackle on this offensive line depth chart, Liam Eikenberg, Connor Williams, Robert Hunt, Austin Jackson, Robert Jones, Dan Feeney, Isaiah Wynn, Kendall Lamb. That's eight. Are you going to carry a third center? Probably not. So that's the challenge there is the numbers game from a versatility standpoint. Uh, go over to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, no surprise we're going to continue to pound the table for Elijah Campbell uh, as potentially the fourth safety. Uh, I think he's the athleticism that he carries, I think gives him a nice leg up. And then he obviously has an extensive special teams background, but he's looked good in the team drills. He's been around the ball. Uh, a guy who's been quiet. Uh, after kind of a splashy start is Mitchell Agude, the edge from Miami slash UCLA. And I know that's a bit of a, a bummer because he was a fun story. It looked like he sounded like he really popped in OTAs, but he's been quiet the last few days. Uh, the other linebacker that I think is getting a decent amount of run is Aubrey Miller, uh, the undrafted free agent linebacker uh, from Jackson State. He's been... Pretty active, pretty effective in communications. He moves a little. I, I would definitely say he moves better than Elena Roberts does. So, I mean, he's six foot, 230 pounds. He's not the most fluid as far as playing in coverage, but he's not a liability either. And um, he, he's someone who I was kind of interested to see where the trend was going to go for him. And I think he's, he's been running pretty effectively. He doesn't look like a smaller school uh, undrafted free agent out there. He just looks like a depth linebacker, but I think that's a good thing for him when you consider the numbers in the linebacker room and its totality. So those are my winners 
offensive side of the ball, defensive side of the ball, and the fringe 53 guys uh, for me throughout the first week of Miami Dolphins training camp. I hope you guys enjoyed this discussion around the Miami Dolphins. Make sure you come back and see us again soon because it is your team every day here on the Locked On Network. I'm Kyle Krabs, your host, and I am out of here. Talk to you all again tomorrow. Fins up.